the biblical view of sex, and after doing our introduction, uh, we talked about the purpose um, of sex within marriage. Uh, the first purpose is it's to unite, it's to unify. Uh, Genesis 2:24. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. <coughs> and one thing uh, we kind of brought up too is uh, the act of physical intimacy. Um, it's kind of like a covenant reaffirmation, right? It reminds the husband and wife that you're more than roommates. Uh, you are husband and wife. It's a bond that really uh, that's cemented by sex, and and it's something that um, you know, actually reaffirms um, your love and commitment to each other. And one of the one of the practical applications that we have is like whenever we talk about divorce and remarriage, and you know, and I. You know, had some instances where you know that's happened. One of the spouses has committed um, adultery, and when that happens, there is a permissibility to get a divorce. Um, Jesus is teaching on it. Is you know, whoever divorces a man for any reason, basically other than sexual morality, and marries another woman, commits adultery. And so there is a sense where you do have a get out of the marriage card that you can't play. But what I always tell the innocent party is that before you, when you pray about whether or not you're gonna forgive and continue in this marriage, you need to abstain from sexual intimacy until you have forgiven them. And then once you have forgiven them and reconsummated the marriage, um, you know, that, get out of marriage card can't be played anymore because you've reaffirmed the marital covenant and so that's like theologically that's one of the implications I have but I think secondly that's why makeup sex is is so meaningful is a recommitment um, that you have together does that make sense okay well let's talk about um, uh, kind of a story question Question six. So six months ago, Bill and Wanda welcomed their fifth child into the world. Since then, they can count the number of intimate encounters on one hand. Between diaper changes, nursing, disciplining, and homeschooling the older kids, Wanda is absolutely exhausted by the end of the day. Bill, who is far less exhausted, is beginning to grow frustrated. we got a couple seats up here. <laughs> Popular class today, I have no idea why. So if this pattern continues, how will Bill and Wanda begin to regard each other? Hey Quinn. If this pattern continues, how will Bill and Wanda regard each other? Possibly roommates, as you said earlier. Mm-hmm. As roommates? <coughs> Both doing separate jobs. Mm-hmm. As opposed to being complete in one another. Yep. It's good. Other thoughts? There's multiple answers to this. Mm-hmm. Why is that? 
you devote more time to the kids than to me. Yep. And you wanted to have a kid, and yet I didn't. I mean, whatever. Yeah. Whatever the circumstances were that. You wanted another kid. This was part of the deal. I'll pay up. Not me. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and you can think about, like Marl and I have talked about, our relationship is different than all the other relationships he has. You know, mm-hmm. we own our own business. So he has certain, you know, he works with all women. Mm-hmm. So how is our relationship going to be different than the relationship he has with the ladies he works with or the mm-hmm. people I work with? Yeah. So it can become something where, you know, the mom has her job quote unquote, at home, doing what she does, and the husband yeah. goes out and does his work job. How are those relationships different yeah. when he comes home? And that, if you don't have that difference, yeah. that could be headed down a path you don't want to go. It kind of sanctifies the husband-wife relationship. As I like how you put that different than all the others. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good answer. Other thoughts? I mean, why, why is this a temptation to kind of fall into this pattern? I think the fact of the matter is some seasons in life are hard. Yeah. And it's neither of their fault, they're just hard. Yeah. Yeah, I, mean, I think well, when you're going through like a tough season, I think your marriage is oftentimes the most comfortable relationship that you have, and you can feel like it's the most secure one. And so the temptation can be to place other relationships above that one. Yeah. Because you, you maybe don't acknowledge or don't realize the damage that it will do over time. Yeah. You can just think, oh, I just re- we really need to do X, Y, and Z, and your marriage can kind of go to the back burner. Yeah. And you can, I mean, what's the greatest urgency right now? The screaming child. Keeping the screaming the child. child. Keeping <laughs> the children alive. Right? Alive. Keeping them alive. Keeping them educated. You only have one chance at this, right? And so there is a sense where, um, you know, if you're Bill, you might be frustrated, but you might feel guilty. Like, I'm just being selfish. I'm just being selfish, right? Um, well, then, at least... Uh, a world of temptation for both. Yeah. For him, for obvious reasons, because he's not the one feeling pulled in a million directions. Yeah. He still has a very firm direction that he would like to go. Uh huh. And if not with her, then you know there's temptation. And with her, when if he withdraws from her because he doesn't want to add just another thing, every woman still wants to be desired. Mm-hmm. And if she's not feeling desired by Bill, mm-hmm. she wants to feel desired by somebody. Yeah. So even when she's super busy, like. For both parties, that just becomes a time of real temptation. Yeah. Yeah. So how can physical intimacy renew their covenant? Well, kind of going back to the, uh, they each have their jobs. They're doing it independently and not together. Yeah. So this could help bring them back together as a team, if you will. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's good. Mm-hmm. Other thoughts? Well, when you're thinking about relationships, just like what I was saying before, 
that physical intimacy is the only thing you have with your spouse. You don't have it with anybody else. Yeah. So it's the one thing you two can share that brings you together to become one mm -hmm. with each other. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it, it sanctifies. And that's what <coughs> sanctification literally means to be, to be separate, right? It sanctifies the marriage relationship. It makes it, this is something that only we share together, right? So what practical advice would you give Bill and Wanda moving forward? I mean, how would you try to help them in this situation? What would you tell Bill? What would you tell Wanda? You just go through some ways with them of um, ways they could try to create life space. I think when you're in this sort of, whether it's because of kids or busyness of work or just other things you're involved in, I think that it can, you know, because of some of the reasons mentioned, it can be a temptation not to prioritize time that would and space that would allow this. Yeah. Um, so just talking with some some practical ways to make space, like yeah. um, exploring ways with it. You know, like what, where are some ways or where are okay. some spaces that you could maybe create space or you know, do you need to get a babysitter occasionally or whatever? You know? Yeah. So I like where you're going with this. Like clearly, like <coughs> you got to carve out time. Brothers have to be intentional. So, how do you go about doing that? I mean, what would be some tips or suggestions? And granted, every, everybody's different, but. I feel like it's similar to exercise, which at the end of the day, you're <coughs> So maybe start the day that way. There you go. Great strategy. Right? So the bill's far less exhausted, so maybe I think you could share a little bit more. Mm -hmm. or look for, have at least a conversation about is there anything I can do you know, short yeah. term, next few months, trying to as a child screaming. Yeah, and it might be good just, I mean, what, do we, what should we tell Bill to do? And sometimes if he kind of puts it on the wife, like what should I do? He's not going to get as good of an answer as... Yeah. So what could Bill do? Is there anything I can help you with? Mm -hmm. And then he gives suggestions. <laughs> <laughs> like disciplining the kids, you know. I'll spank the kids for you. Kids home, <laughs> just, you know, taking care of that, making sure as much as he, he can, he, he's helping with, because um, there's a lot of chores I'm sure that mm -hmm. they could share, whether that's cooking, cleaning, dishes, you know, a lot of that stuff that just, yeah. Putting in a little bit extra time and effort to try and be united in one in all the aspects of their marriage, so mm -hmm. that they're a team and it's not yeah two separate people. Hey, I'm swinging by. I'm coming home. Do you need anything from Walmart? Um, how about if I do the dishes tonight? Or maybe Bill can even learn how to make a few token meals. Yeah, or like tacos and burgers. You mentioned arranging, finding childcare for. The older kids, or find yeah. a night like, hey, you know, yeah. just checking with you. I was gonna. Or hey, can I give you like maybe just a few minutes tonight? You know, where it's like, like I'm with all the kids, right? Like the time that they are together, it's like you just get just a minute of mama break, right? Because some of that she's mm -hmm. exhausted. Like, like the the difference that Darla was talking about in the difference of relationships between employees and. Mm -hmm. um, 
wife or you know the other people that are around mamas or the kids and right some of that for mamas is the like somebody's like hanging on you all day or wanting your attention all day you know and so mm-hmm. it's like can I just give you 15 20 minutes where that's not a case right mm-hmm. so that when we come together like it's yeah. you're not feeling that way from me too yeah. right like it's just this is our time right yeah. so yeah, and the fact is, Bill has more energy than Wanda, right? That's yeah. So you don't want to be like Pharaoh, where you know you need to make these bricks and get your own straw. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there is something where lightening the load in a meaningful way. And I think there's something too to having the conversation, <laughs> just in, encouraging and helping her to know that you know it's not just necessary for me. That this is good for us. It's good for our marriage. Yeah. It's good for you. It's good for me. Talking about a way, how can we yeah. make it about us together? Yeah. And there are some parenting things in like getting your kids to bed at a certain time and committing to that and doing it as a group. Yeah. That is a practical way to carve out time to hang out. Like, yeah. Says the woman whose kids go to bed at 9:30, but in general, that is just during the summer. For most of the summer. Oh, we start at 7:30. <laughs> <laughs> There's a responsibility of the dad, just as much as the mom, yeah. of raising his kids. Yeah. I mean, this is separated, but dad has that same responsibility. And if they only see mom always doing that, then those kids are growing up seeing that situation too. I mean, they have to parent as a couple. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so when he comes home, even though he's had a day at work, it's time for him to put on his parent hat together the second shift parenting yeah mm-hmm. this work the second shift yeah especially if he has energy yeah 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 I think another piece of advice that I would give and this is not again everybody's different yes you know, maybe try to schedule a day a week you know so what what day where would she have the most energy right so maybe like a weekend or something like that so I mean and that way there's just kind of like a a weekly rhythm where this is just kind of part of it and um, I don't know other thoughts any hacks I think you can also like open communication if, if if he's really feeling it in the morning you can say hey I'd love for us to have some time together tonight and then she maybe has the, the ability to think okay well what can I make for dinner that will be easy to clean up? PB and J. Yeah, and how can I have the kids clean up the the living room so that after dinner it can just be, hey, kids, go watch a movie and we're gonna go hang out downstairs. You know, uh-huh. there can be practical ways too if if the husband doesn't he prepares in the morning and says, hey, I'm, I'm interested in this, and the wife has time to yeah. prepare throughout the day instead of like, oh, yeah. now it's after dinner and she's frazzled and like if you never have if the kids never watch TV. And you put them from TV, they turn into zombies for an hour, and you've got <laughs> just helping you guys out. <laughs> um, yeah, put a little Benadryl into formula. Also, practical. Uh, I grew up in a household where the door to my parents' bedroom was always locked. I mean, it was never unlocked. So it was never weird to knock on the door, and it takes them a little while to answer the door. <laughs> There's also practical advice. But I've thought of that practically. I'm like, that's actually, now as an adult, I'm like, that's a really good idea. Like, as a little kid, it was always super annoying, but it was never weird. Like, because they'd be like, hold on a sec, and be like, okay, whatever. 
But that's just, you, you have to, when, if you're just kind of reacting to life, this could just fall away, right? If you're just reacting to life, and so. I mean, just practical tip, I always tell women when they're in this stage of life, talk to me, whatever, anytime you have the slightest hint that you might be in the mood, initiate and do it then. Like if you're tired of being asked, then initiate when you are ready, and then you won't ask so much. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You walk around with the stress afterwards, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's 10 in the morning and you need to stick your kids in front of the TV because that's me of energy. There you go. There you go. All right. So get real. All right. So hopefully everyone, especially you young families, you know, you're welcome. <laughs> so let's look at uh, the second point. Sex is pleasurable. This is in the Bible. I'm just going to read it. Proverbs 5, 15 through 19. I can make you guys read it. Drink water from your own cistern, flowing water from your own well. Should your springs be scattered abroad, streams of water in the streets? Let them be for yourself alone and not for strangers with you. Let your fountain be blessed and rejoice in the wife of your youth. A lovely deer, a graceful doe, let her breast fill you at all times with delight. Be intoxicated always in her love. So, why do you suppose God made physical intimacy so pleasurable? Why not just make it a command, give both parties a headache until they fulfill their duty? <laughs> what do you think? I think that word intimacy that's used in that sentence there, why God made physical intimacy so pleasurable, I think that word intimacy is... Part of that is it's mm -hmm. what brings intimacy uh -huh. between the two of you. If it was just a command, if it was a responsibility and obligation, it, uh -huh. there, it wouldn't bring intimacy. It wouldn't bring the oneness mm -hmm. that it does when He has made it. Yeah. yeah, that's good. Other thoughts? I think it's because he's a good father and he gives his children good gifts. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And if you were to give them a headache till they were to fulfill their duties, <laughs> duty-driven intimacy isn't the same as yeah. you want to be together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So why make it a divisive thing when it's supposed to be a unifying thing? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Other thoughts? Yeah, I think we all tend to be drawn towards what we delight, right? Like you have foodies, you know, <coughs> people who like eating different culinary dishes, and that's kind of something that brings them together, just that common um, love of, of eating. And so, you know, with, um, you know, with this one activity that sets apart marriage from all other relationships, right? The fact that it brings such intense pleasure and delight um, is on, on purpose because it, uh, even that fulfills a uh, kind of a, a function, right? Where how does mutual pleasure enhance a relationship? <coughs> how does it enhance? 
enhance a relationship. It makes you want to be with that person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If it wasn't fun to be with that person, you wouldn't want to be with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This is the only person in the world that I can do this with, do this activity that we that we both love, okay. right? So yeah, it just, I mean, it kind of just creates kind of a shared world, a shared space of husband and wife. This is who we are together. Um, now here's a question. Is the pleasure of sex restricted to the orgasm? Why or why not? Say no. I think there's something about um, the aspect of how the physical is kind of um, symbolic of the relational mm-hmm. intimacy and the pleasure uh-huh. that you have. And so, mm-hmm. you know, kind of those earlier questions as well. You know, why did God create mm-hmm. the physical to be so pleasurable? Is, is to mm-hmm. demonstrate or signify to you, each of you how beneficial, blessed, and mm-hmm. good the marital relation is, not oneness. Yeah. So, all parts of the, the sexual relationship are you know, symbolic of the different mm-hmm. intimacy and the type of um, closeness that you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think about um, Genesis 2.24 and 25, right? Mm-hmm. Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast, to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. And the man and his wife were both naked and were not ashamed. Right? There's a transparency, there's a vulnerability, there's a, you could just, you're, and I think intimacy is just such a great term for it, right? Because there is nothing between you guys. And that kind of, like, how does, how does that enhance the relationship? And again, it's kind of symbolic of you're removing all the barriers yeah. and the things that stand in the way of you being completely open mm-hmm. and transparent and yeah. connected to your spouse. Yeah. So I think closeness is definitely something there. And that's why like makeup sex is always so meaningful, right? Because that sense of closeness is is restored. Well, it should be restored after that, right? Other thoughts? Why? I mean I think there's just the the very sensitive truth that for some, particularly women, this is a hard thing. Like, um, some women never experience that, the pleasure of orgasm. Uh-huh. And for them, sex is not physically pleasurable in the way that it is for their husband, or rarely is, or at times in their life it can't be, or, you know, whatever, fill in the blank. We all know, we're, we're grown-ups. Um, uh-huh. Most of us are parents, we know. Um, and so I think it's that's where it's really important to see sex as something that's not just the pursuit of a pleasure together. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a service and not in a like a, just mm-hmm. a duty driven, but in a, I love my husband, I love mm-hmm. pleasing him this way. Um, mm-hmm. And there's something like extra beautiful about giving that when you can't at that point, for whatever reason, mm-hmm. receive it in return. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there's still the, the sense of like I always tell women, particularly in those situations, like you more than anyone, 
need to keep being naked with your husband mm -hmm. because otherwise you're going to withdraw. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you're going to put on clothes more and more, you're going to withdraw because you're not, you're not in the same throes of passion that he is. Um, mm -hmm. But you need to still open yourself to him in all the same ways. Yeah. Um, it's, it's just as important, it's even more important mm -hmm. during those times. Yeah. And there's the other things leading up to that anyways that are pleasing to the wife as yeah. well, that the husband can please her in other ways, even if that particular part is not mm -hmm. possible for right. her or yeah. rare. Um, you know, there's the closeness you were talking about, yeah. and the just <coughs> being vulnerable with one another. That you know, yeah. the husband, you know, without getting into detail, the husband. There's lots of other things the husband can do that's also pleasing and mm -hmm. um, comforting yeah. to her that still could not be shared with any other person. Yeah, yeah I think another one is just the um, enjoyment of being desired, right? You know, your husband is desirous of you and stuff like that in that way. I mean, and I think there's a, you know, there's a pleasure in that. Pleasure in that, that my husband finds me attractive and sexually desirable. Even if that doesn't lead to an orgasm. I mean, there's a, yeah, there's closest that, that generates. Okay, any other thoughts? All right, got another story problem here. Jane grew up in a Victorian household where the topic of intimacy never came up. While away at Bible college, Jane met and fell in love with Grayson, a godly young man who hoped to enter ministry. Six months before graduation, they got engaged. Knowing that sex was in their future, Jane checked out a medical book from the library. Since she had been homeschooled and her family never talked about the subject, this was her first introduction. And what she found disgusted her. When she asked her mother about it, she told Jane that sex is gross and rather unpleasant aspect of marriage that a wife must put up with because most men expect it. On the wedding night, Jane dutifully went through all the motions but did not enjoy it at all. In fact, after five years and two children, she informed her husband that while she loved him, sex was a burden for her. So what assumptions did Jane make about intimacy? What do you think? That it wouldn't be pleasant for her, only for her husband. Yeah. Yeah, that's for the husband, not for you. You just serve him. She seems to assume that it's unspiritual. You know, she looks at a medical book. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it's just a mm -hmm. physical mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. Anything else? didn't help the situation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Obviously told her it wasn't going to be enjoyable. <clears throat> then probably also never was yeah. seen laughing or being affectionate to her father. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you know what? A lot of times people who grow up in the purity culture where the goal is to keep them from having sex, they often use maybe fear tactics. Yeah. And you know, they keep it mysterious and scary for the woman. And um, 
Yeah, and that leads to, like, this situation I'm describing is not unusual. But how can Proverbs 5, 15 through 19 minister to her? Why would I could that help? Kevin, do you have a thought? Yeah. You're, you're the grandpa yeah. among us. I, I always have thoughts. <laughs> I try not to. Anyway, I think this verse could be in discouragement to her. You think so? Because she could see it as, oh, well, that's for him. Yeah. This doesn't really help me. See, I always have thoughts. Yeah, no, that's a good thought. I think it could be a corrective in the sense that if she's thinking that this is something that's gross and dirty, I mean, Scripture clearly portrays it as something that it's good for him to want that. It's mm -hmm. not like you have to just satisfy this animal instinct because that's just what, you know, mm -hmm. is required. But it's like, it does give a positive vision of the male sex drive and where it's supposed to be fulfilled. Mm -hmm. Agreed. But that's not where I would go for a woman. I agree with you. I agree. I, I go to Song Solomon. I mean, yeah. there's some really good stuff in there okay. about both sides of the story and how that it's yeah. it's really supposed to be a, an enjoyable time. <coughs> Everybody's supposed to enjoy it. So it's yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, I might say that for her, for Jane, being delighted in is a good thing because at this point right now you know jane and her ability to have an orgasm and stuff like that you know that might be years away you know what i'm saying but that's why um enjoyment and it doesn't have to be a mutual orgasm to be a mutual enjoyment um being delighted in and seeing it as a good thing to be celebrated apart from pro procreation Right, which is also a purpose of sex. Um, you know, can be can be helpful. But yeah, Song of Solomon would be a good place to go to. She needs to sit in a good Bible study where the women talk about sex. <laughs> That's what she needs. Yeah. That's an apologetic for women's Bible studies and men's Bible studies, by the way. So and we talk about all the time about you know sex starts in sex starts in the kitchen. Mm -hmm. you know, and we've we've talked about that a lot over this weekend will be 34 years mm -hmm. um, <laughs> doing dishes helps your sex life mm -hmm. you know <laughs> taking care of taking the trash out you know taking helping with the kids yeah. it it's it's all part of that yeah making her feel loved and th that is the start of intimacy mm -hmm. in, in developing that relationship yeah. with her and with him you know it goes both ways but yeah. the, the intimate relationship is so much more than behind behind yeah. the bedroom door and so that's yeah that's it, it's just a, it's just a it's a lot bigger subject than sometimes we we think about mm -hmm. yeah Becky has kind of <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to draw this out. Like for her, she cannot go to sleep with a dirty kitchen. Mm -hmm. That's true. 
<laughs> yeah, and everyone's kind of like, oh, this would be good. Screen of Becky and Dave. <laughs> yeah, so she can. You know, having a dirty kitchen, waking up to a dirty kitchen, she just, that is just gross. She cannot go to sleep with that. So, or leave the house. You know, at, yeah, it's, it's like kind of like, well, I need to make sure this kitchen is clean <laughs> at nine o'clock, right? And so that's just something that I've just kind of learned to do. It's like, what are some things that she, you know, how can I unburden her and just kind of clear that off her plate so that she doesn't think about that and she can think about yeah. me? <laughs> well, one thing I would add too is that, like, for. Sometimes I, I, I've learned that I can be a very task-oriented type person. And um, I think it's, it's important for me to remember that it's not a, I do all my tasks and check them off the list, and then sex is another task that, okay, we've checked all these. And so just ha making time to be communicating and talking and, yeah. you know, Intimate in the sense that we know what's going on and we're sharing our life together and it's not just two independent people mm -hmm. both helping one another do these jobs. And mm -hmm. this is another thing that we, yeah. um, I think that's, that's been important to learn, not just to do the dishes for me, which is an easier thing for me to do sometimes than to sit down and kind of pour out yeah. my day and how things are going inside. And yeah. Does it come natural? Yeah, and I think one thing about it being pleasurable is like you don't fall asleep right afterwards. Like I'm done. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, you know, it's just the afterglow and all that stuff is an important part of it too to make it enjoyable, right? Intended for for pleasure. So, um, but all all this to say, it's obviously the orgasm is is part of it, but there's other parts of it too to make it enjoyable and. That's not, and that that can happen more than you know. So I think just really facilitating that and understanding that. But why is it so important? To remember that sex is meant to be enjoyed. What are the consequences of failing to do so? What do you think? If you have a you look at Jane, she doesn't think that sex is supposed to be enjoyed. At least for her. What are, what are the consequences? Really, a shift from the duty mindset of you know, kind of the checkbox of going through heads. Is something that's actually supposed to be mutually beneficial, enjoyable, and yeah. allow you to grow deeper, closer together. Than, yeah. All right, you know, trash than this, than yeah. you know, sleep. You know, mm -hmm. we, we've got fifteen minutes intervals, and you know, mm -hmm. the day's done now. So, yeah. well, how about this? We've been focusing on Jane with this. She just had this conversation with Grayson. <coughs> How is he going to feel about sex now? Guilt bringing it up, or bringing it up, which he shouldn't. Yeah. I mean, we're going to assume that Grayson's a good guy. Yeah. yeah. He's a good guy. He loves his wife. She just told him that sex is a burden. How is he going to respond? Well, he's going to feel guilty and feel like he's using her, or you know, just feel uncomfortable around the whole thing until this is resolved. Yeah. Well, I think he'll. I mean. It, He'll shrink his ego and his he'll be masculine in the sense that everyone wants their spouse to desire them. Mm -hmm. And so that would be a huge yeah. rejection in a sense mm -hmm. uh, from his wife that this is the one person that mm -hmm. you know, I've given my life to and she doesn't you know, desire me. Yeah. So. It very much becomes like a, a 
Jane versus the Grayson problem. Mm-hmm. And instead, it should be a, a Jane Grayson versus the problem. And so yeah. they should be seeking out. And maybe she can express, hey, I don't enjoy this. Can, let's find a way. Is there someone we can talk to? Are there resources that we have to figure out a way that we can make this more enjoyable for both of us and approaching it that way versus, you know, this is me against you versus us mm-hmm. against the problem. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Yeah, and that's what it does. I mean, this really just splashes cold water. You know, on Grayson, where he does, like, what loving husband wants his wife to feel used? Mm-hmm. Yeah, what loving husband, you know, wouldn't feel guilt in that case, right? But on the other hand, like, for her to feel that way and never express it, it means that he doesn't understand why it's dividing them instead of uniting them. Yeah. So, I mean, for her to say, sex is a burden for me, I don't, this is how I grew up looking at it, this is still yeah. how I look at it, okay, that's like step one in... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, let's do something about this. This is yeah. this explains so much about the last ten years of our marriage. Yeah. You know? um, so that's a that's a good thing because the problem, like you said, the problem is something out there yeah. that has happened to her in here, mm-hmm. and it's affecting everything. Yeah. And yeah, I think it's a view of sex that doesn't incorporate that passage from Proverbs, as far as it's intended for pleasure, right? The famous book by Ed Weaver. And or so any part of scripture. I mean, yeah. sex throughout scripture is a gift. From yeah, God. Abraham sporting with his wife, right? Uh, Song of Solomon. So there's, so yeah, it, it, and Grayson's obviously part of the solution, right? But a lot of it, I mean, these are issues where Titus two relationships are key. You know what I'm saying? Like if a husband has a porn problem, yeah, it, it's not the best for the wife to help him with that. You know, that's the case where a same-sex mentoring relationship is critical to help them with that. And I think in this case, um, helping older women, helping younger women to love their husbands, this would be part of it as well. Does that make sense? And that's not, and that's not to say, Jane, this is your problem, you deal with it. It's more like, this is our problem, but... And I want to help the way that I can, but I can't do that. The heavy lifting needs to be done with an older, wiser woman. Right? Other thoughts? Okay. So C, as sex is procreative. Somebody want to read Genesis 1, 27 to 28? Noah, you can participate in this. Why don't you just read that passage? (laughs) 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 So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them. And God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, and fill the earth and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea and the birds, and over the birds of the heavens, and over every living thing that moves on the earth. So according to this passage, what is the purpose of intimacy? We call it procreation, right? Make little image bears. So what does the reality of procreation help? How does the reality of procreation help forge the ethics of intimacy? In other words, what happens to the sexual ethic when it's stripped from this reality? Procreation is not a part of it. Abortion or... Yeah. 
I mean, if you ever followed just modern history, you know that the sexual revolution coincided with the invention and distribution of the pill, which meant you can have, you know, I wouldn't say consequence-free sex, because there's other consequences, but um, you wouldn't that's be pregnant. Huh? That's the biggie. Yeah, that's the big one. That's kind of what kept women from, I don't want to have a baby with you, <laughs> right? So women would obviously guard their virtue a lot more because of the consequences and the social shame that would be affiliated with it, right? Mm -hmm. And, and I even think he goes, huh? And it just becomes very selfish when, you know, it's all about me. It's not about anything that could happen from this. Or yeah. yeah. It's all about yeah. what I want right now. Mm -hmm. I don't want to think about this for the next 20 years. Or mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, as we know, only a male and a female can procreate, so it opens up the conversation Yeah. lots of things being allowed. Yeah. If that's not a part of the Yeah, purpose. for sure. For sure. So many counselors claim that procreation should be the primary purpose of physical intimacy in marriage. Do you agree, why or why not? I mean, as much as we'd all like to think our parents only did it the number of children that they had, that doesn't create a healthy marriage. So, I mean, that's not a healthy way to view our parents or anyone else. Mm -hmm. and there's, there's purposes for having the size of family that you have yeah. and not necessarily leaving it up to Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. if you've ever um, been struggled with infertility and, or really tried to get pregnant on a certain time of the month, you really see that procreation is not the primary. I mean, it's exhausting and it really does become a burden and it, it yeah. just it can feel very overwhelming when you're like, okay, it's the time of the month, let's go again. You know, mm -hmm. it's not this fun, exciting, it can become this very dreaded experience. And yeah. so. If you take, it's not the primary yeah. part of intimacy. Um, it's a huge part of it, obviously, but okay. <laughs> it's not the primary part because I think if it was the primary part, it, it just wouldn't always, I don't know. Yeah, because I think a couple who could not have children for whatever reason could still have a fulfilling marriage. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think even the purpose of pro if the purpose is procreation, right, and they have yeah. little image bearers, what's the best environment to raise those kids? In an intact marriage, right? And so something that physical intimacy does is it helps maintain, you know, the, the family structure and the intimacy and the closeness between the husband and, and wife to raise the kids as well. Does that make sense? So. Well, in scripture, yeah. I mean, when it, like we've talked about Song of Solomon, you can talk about Corinthians, you can talk about all the different passages mm -hmm. that talk about intimacy. There's almost never a baby mentioned. Mm -hmm. The baby is mentioned as like, oh, he knew his wife and therefore the baby happened. Mm -hmm. But when it's describing the ethics of and the way we're to feel about this part of marriage, there's never a baby mentioned. Mm -hmm. And if it were the primary purpose, then it would always be go into your wife and do your duty so she may bear you a son. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think on that same note in scripture when we see men, even that have multiple wives, oftentimes their most loved wife is the wife that has not bore them a right. child or is barren. Mm -hmm. That's right? interesting. Mm -hmm. 
So what would you say to a, a young couple, you married at 22, and the husband says, I want to get a vasectomy, but I don't want to have kids. Well, you should have had that conversation before you got married. <laughs> <laughs> she, agrees. she agrees. I don't want to have kids either. I don't want to do that to my body. What will she think at 30? Mm-hmm. It's kind of like a face tattoo. Face <laughs> 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 tattoo at 20 is a bad idea. I mean, and even though it's not the primary purpose, it is a purpose. Yeah. Expected God. result. I mean, children are the norm. Mm-hmm. It's not like it's a requirement, but it's you typically will have that in, within marriage. Uh-huh. Would that be a disobedience? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah. No, but what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> trying, I mean, I think you're... The reason I say it's a disobedience yeah. is because you're saying that you do not want to. Mm-hmm. Rather than maybe a family that can't or something. That's that's not a disobedience, that's just a... Well, so I think that, like what he's saying, yeah. like that question is a big question, and it just opens up the fact that this should be the beginning of a lot of discussions with an older, wiser couple, because maybe it's that I have... I carry this genetic marker, and 50% of my children are going to have this horrible thing happen to them yeah. by 25. You know, yeah. like... You don't know what is behind that. Or I have trauma. I have some sort of sexual trauma that happened to me and I'm terrified of seeing an OBGYN so I can't have a child. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't know what it is that has fixed in their minds this idea that I don't want to have children. But yeah. it's usually something. Yeah. But if it's just, I don't want stretch marks or gain weight, then that's, I feel like it's selfish. Right, then you need discipleship <laughs> for sure. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. You either need counseling or discipleship in either of those cases, at least mm-hmm. to sift through and make sure that you have good yeah. and pure Motives. Yeah. I mean, I, I look at it this way. When you look at all the purposes of sex within marriage, they're all integrated. You know, where being fruitful and multiplying, you know, is something that God commanded Adam and Eve. And to make sure that happened, he made sex pleasurable. He wanted it to be done in the context and confines of marriage. And he protects that marriage by making sex pleasurable, but also um, he wants couples to have sex in marriage so that they're not tempted to go elsewhere, right? So there is a place where keeping the marriage strong so that they can raise image bearers is all integrated. Now, um, that's that's a whole package as far as how it's been designed. But can we still benefit from it without kids? Like if you have a widow and a widower getting married later on where it's too late, yeah, they can still have, they can still benefit from that, and that's obviously commanded, but I think there's kind of a broader view where it was all constructed around um, being fruitful and multiplying. But that's, that doesn't mean that every time you have sex, that has to be the intention. Because every time you have sex, if it knits you guys together and makes a more cohesive, stronger, binding marriage, um, I would say that's even, that's even part of an application of that command. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. A strong, stable families do the best job of raising kids. And, and, as even plug, that, huh? we, and as a plug, we do in our Christian ethics go into a whole, yeah. like, all the different parts of yeah. uh, you know, birth control and morality and abortion. We have all the different topics and talk about the wide variety of reasons 
And some of those, yeah, and that cohesion is um, something that is a good thing. And, and that's ultimately, you know, Christ and the church and all that. I mean, that's, that binding effect is it's one of the purposes as well. So it's not just procreation. The procreation is kind of the, is part of the integrated whole of it. And so if somebody's going to reject that outright mm-hmm. from marriage, that's different from, like an older couple getting married is not rejecting that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They're not rejecting that. They're taking advantage of a, of an institution that provides other things for other benefits. So, all right. Well, I'm going to be gone next week, Scott. Oh man! <laughs> so, what do you get? Uh, you get protection and principles governing sex within marriage. So awesome! It's going to be great. <laughs> It'll be wonderful. Chris, are you teaching next week? Or are you going to be here? Oh, right. Even better. Even better. I'll start out. And Carissa would agree with me. Yeah. All right. Well, let's pray. Well, Father, I'm just thankful for um, this discussion. I know it's a tender topic, but I pray it would be helpful for many who are here. And I pray that we will just see sex as an act of worship, um, a gift from you designed to bring us together. We pray for this next phase of our worship service that we will sing to you, commune with you and each other, and that we'll just celebrate being together as a body this Sunday. In Christ's name, amen.